SafetyFM.com with Jay Allen. Changing safety cultures one broadcast and one podcast at a time. Welcome to Safety FM, where we talk about safety that's truly inspired by you. Hello and welcome to Safety FM. This episode of the broadcast and the podcast has been brought to you by Safety Focus Moment. They're consultants that want to help you get to the safety culture that you've been looking for. For more information, go to safetyfocusmoment.com. Well, hello and welcome to Safety FM. On today's episode, we have a conversation with Shelly Forney. Shelly Forney is an inspirational keynote safety speaker that mostly talks about distracted driving. Her story on how she became an inspirational speaker is much different than the one that most people have. On today's episode, she's going to talk about how she became an inspirational speaker, but mostly she's going to tell you her story about her daughter, Erica. Enjoy today's interview here on Safety FM. Safety FM. Changing safety cultures, one one broadcast and one podcast at a time. Well, hello and welcome to Safety FM. Today we have Shelly Forney on the actual phone. I'll tell you that I was going through LinkedIn and I had noticed that Shelly Forney was an inspirational keynote safety speaker about distracted driving. And I have reached out to you as, and thank you for coming on here on to Safety FM. And when I found your stuff on LinkedIn, I was encouraged by your story and I was just, I I was at the moment where I was like, I have to have you on and I want you to come in and talk to our audience about the story. And thanks, thanks once again for actually coming on to Safety FM. How are you today? I'm doing great. It's my pleasure to be here today. Thanks for inviting me. Well, Shelly, I have to tell you when I, when I went through the whole thing, it was so moving i don't even know where to start so i guess i would ask you normally how do you start this conversation about distracted driving with most people you know the thing that i get from people when they meet me and they ask me how many kids i have i say well i have three and of course they say you know, what ages are they? And I, I will tell my age of my kids presently. My oldest daughter, Jessica, she's 21. My middle daughter got her angel wings when she was nine years old, and she would have been 19 presently. And my youngest is 13 years old. And when I say that, I get, I get you know, very mixed reactions from people. Either they're like, oh my gosh, what happened? Tell me. Or they'll be like, this is uncomfortable. I don't know if I really want to hear the story. You know, people aren't supposed to lose their children and we weren't either. Um, it was an unfortunate circumstance. When I, when I get the opportunity to tell people my story, I take advantage of it because it's an opportunity to educate them about something that, that people don't realize has actually become an epidemic, which is cell phone distracted driving. I continue on with telling our story. And um, if you would like, I will go right into saying exactly what happened and and how I came to be uh, the speaker that I am today. Well, Shelly, yeah, yeah, that that sounds good, and, and I and I know that it's it's a very painful story in, in regards of what I've seen and what I've read. But I, I I apologize for asking you for to share the story, but I think that it's a very informative story and a very important story for people to understand. 
you don't need to apologize. Um, and likely I will cry because I always do. This is my child I'm talking about. You know, Jay, I actually tell our story probably six, seven times a week. If it's if it's not speaking, it's through people that I meet. Um, I take advantage of those opportunities, like I said, because uh, we aren't supposed to lose our kids, and I want people to know why uh, Erica lost her life. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you the story. It was November 25th. It was a beautiful Wednesday in 2008, and Erica was in fourth grade. We had an elementary school that just opened at the end of our neighborhood, which was about four blocks south of our home here in Fort Collins, where I live. And Erica was just starting fourth grade that year. And so we went ahead and enrolled her since it was a brand new school. And she was having a great time, uh, nine years old and headed to school. It was the last day before Thanksgiving break. It was a beautiful, uh, warm uh, Wednesday. And it was, it was uh, the 25th of November. She went to school, had a fantastic day, hopped on her bicycle to head home, and her friend saw her uh, and stopped her. Her friend Sophie saw her and said, hey, I want to walk home with you. So they proceeded to walk about half of the, the two blocks, and Erica finally said to Sophie, you know, um, I'm going to ride my bike the rest of the way. So she took off, and, and she was in the bike lane heading towards traffic. I'd always taught her you need to ride against traffic. I mean, excuse me, on the other side of the road, so you're going the same direction as traffic, the same direction. But but because she was on the other side talking to her friend, she wasn't going with the flow of traffic. So as she headed home, uh, traffic was coming towards her as she was in the bike lane. And my neighbor saw her from across the street and stopped her. His name was Kevin. He was walking his daughter home. And it, since Thanksgiving was a couple days later, of course, he's like, Happy Thanksgiving, Erica. And on Kevin went. As he turned to go down the hill towards his home, he heard a large crash happen behind him and turned around to see that Erica had been struck. Come to find out it was a neighbor that we did not know who was driving towards her on Avondale Road was the name of the road she was on. Erica was 15 pedals on her bicycle from my front door. When this neighbor, she was not a young driver, she was uh, 36 years old and she had a boy and a girl, one and two year old. She was a full-time physical therapist. Um, she just lived a couple blocks south of us on that road on her way home from work, finishing a phone call. And she felt a sudden thud hit her vehicle. Well, that thud was my child. Erica's body snapped um, the windshield. She broke it clear across from one end to the other, her head. She slipped backwards in here and she, she was thrown 15 feet the other direction before she finally came to land on the concrete. Unfortunately, she was not wearing her bike helmet that day. She was rushed to a local hospital after she was struck. She laid completely still on the on the ground and immediately Kevin Kevin alerted my family as to what happened and the police and the paramedics came and um, they were you know, doing everything they could at the site. And while I was, you know, this was happening uh, before I get to the hospital, while this was transpiring, I happened to be on the way home and I was on my Bluetooth coming back from my doctor's appointment. Um, I had actually been multitasking, not not on uh, the road or in the car, but I was running with my, my little one, Valerie, who was three at the time going for a jog and I'd broken my foot um, trying to avoid a lock um, in the roadway or on the sidewalk when I was running. And so I was at the doctor's and he said, good news, you, your foot's all healed. And I hopped in my van and buckled her in and proceeded to make three phone calls on my way home. 
And uh, I couldn't even recollect my drive. In fact, I came in a whole other way into my neighborhood and I was oblivious to my surroundings or really even how I got home and realized when I finally got there, how did I get here? And my neighbor waved me out of my car very frantically and I got to this crowd of people all surrounding this child on the ground and I didn't realize it was my daughter. And this woman shouted out to me on the sidewalk, I didn't see her and I didn't know who she was. And I went over and I calmed her down and I hugged her and I said, it's gonna, it's gonna be okay. But it wasn't okay. Um, as the paramedics were cutting all Erica's clothes off to see how bad things were from, from the impact of the crash she sustained, uh, this woman again shouted out to me, you know, I didn't see her. I can't believe I didn't see her. And I thought to myself, man, I could have been me on the sidewalk saying I didn't see her. I didn't even know how I got home that day. I was so oblivious because of the conversations I was having and my inability to process my drive and those phone calls at the same time. I, I got home somehow on autopilot, but it could have been me on that sidewalk that day saying I didn't see her, but it wasn't. It was this other mother. The reason that she didn't see Erica is because her eyes were downcast in her lap while she was finishing the phone call. She was going the posted speed limit. She was not a bad driver. She didn't have, you know, crashes on her record or speeding. The majority of these kind of crashes happen to well-meaning people, good people who are just uneducated and unknowledgeable about how dangerous a single cell phone conversation could be. So my daughter was rushed to the local hospital where six doctors after 45 minutes weren't able to do anything to help her. Uh, I was kept in another room waiting for an update. Finally, when I found her nearly an hour later, all these doctors were shaking their heads at me and said, we can't help her here. We need a flight for life for the Children's Hospital down in Denver. My husband was brought by a neighbor at that moment, and we were not able to ride with her in the helicopter, of course, because there's no room for anyone but the paramedics and the patients. And as, as our neighbor drove us to Children's Hospital in Denver about an hour and a half away, we called family and friends to tell them what had happened. Two days we spent at Children's Hospital, and there was absolutely nothing they could do. My daughter died on Thanksgiving Day, the day you're supposed to be grateful for all that you have and being appreciative for the life you have. We had to, we had to take a death test on our beautiful nine-year-old child. This was all from a 100% preventable car crash by, by a neighbor who simply did not realize that choice that she made that day to make a phone call would potentially be dangerous, much less take anyone's life. A severe brain injury was the reason that Erica died. We had to bury her. Two days later, this beautiful child who had her whole future in front of her was absolutely snagged from under her. It, there was nothing that she could have done differently. We were told by the police investigator that even if she had had a helmet, on her head he said it would not have saved her in fact he said she would have needed a motorcycle helmet buckled and it would have come off from the impact and pressure that her body and her head was sustained at any kind of a crash over 10 miles an hour that motorcycle helmet would have come off he said that cell phone conversation was the sole reason that we lost her that day losing our child absolutely flipped our world upside down I had an opportunity about four months later to start advocating within the state of Colorado for a cell phone law. We had none at the time. 
in 2009, that's how I started speaking. And I went down to the Capitol because there was a, a, a senator who was trying to get a law passed. And she heard my story because it was all over the news and um, said, Shelley, are you willing to share your story? And I said, if, if that's what it's going to take to help get something put in place, of course. And I testified five times in three months to try to get a law put in place. And that was the beginning of when I started advocating for distracted driving awareness as a result of losing my beautiful child. Shelly, I'm so sorry, and I can still hear the pain in your voice. I mean, so many years later, and I'm, and I'm, I'm so lost for words. I, I know that this is something that no, one never recoups from, and it's just mind-boggling just, just thinking about this, the phone call aspect, and this is not even texting, and then the distraction that was caused at that time. Yeah, she was... She was finishing the phone call and, you know, everybody assumed she was texting and texting wasn't as big back then. Now it's, you know, the foremost reason for cell phone related crashes is it's people are texting or they're surfing the web or they're watching YouTube or Netflix. Uh, I just read that today on LinkedIn and just blew my mind. It's mind boggling that people think they can watch TV on their phone in some capacity while they're driving down the road. You know, driving is a privilege and I think there's been a loss of that priority anymore it's become very self-centered the focus is not about everybody around them and the priority of keeping everybody safe it's it's people going well i've been driving for so long i can multitask i can do this it is it's heartbreaking it's absolutely heartbreaking there'll be 20 people that are going to die today specifically because of a cell phone related crash if it was either them the cause they were the only their own cause of their death or a driver causing someone else's 20 20 funerals 20 lives devastated 20 families today going what now don't you know my loved one is gone my best friend is gone um you know once once those three seconds passes because that's all it took for her to drift into the bike lane this this driver drifted into the bike lane before she felt a thud she she drifted off the road 10 feet into the bike lane and she wasn't even speeding she was going 25 but that's all it takes is two or three seconds of not realizing what direction your car is going and what speed you're going to cross to cross the middle line, to, to go into the bike lane, to not see the kid in the road with the ball. You know, that that's all it takes is two or three seconds. Why can people not wrap their brains around how potentially dangerous those two or three seconds of distraction can be is mind boggling to me. And I, I have to tell you, I deal with a lot of people in the transportation air, um, industry and they actually have to use one point of contact to be able to make a phone call or answer a phone call. So just even listening to this, even that in itself is a distraction. So what is your general belief in regards to people taking phone calls, even with a Bluetooth or using, you know, the, the features that are available in cars now, such as car plays and things to that extent? You bet. So uh, what has become the new problem in vehicles is the infotainment system. And that's when you turn your car on and you look to the right, there's an LCD screen and it lights up and has various different options. It has series radio, it has um, possibly a internet browser button, it has uh, GPS, it has um, what else? Um, lots of options, voice to text feature or a texting feature. A voice to text is they're trying to eliminate the driver from texting and so they have a new feature called voice to text where the driver speaks the message they want to say and who it's supposed to go to and then the system will send that message to that person. The problem is it's technology and technology is flawed and the technology that is being put in these cars as time is progressing it's obviously it's getting better but it's not to the point where 
it's safe for drivers to use those types of features. And if you look at the National Safety Council's website, nsc.org, they have phenomenal information about distracted driving. They have pull-down pads after pull-down pads talking about uh, all of the statistics they have gathered and updated information, as well as the AAA Foundation, um, as well as DOT. Uh, there's so many options out there to get information that they have statistics showing how unsafe the voice detect feature is. It is causing drivers, it's producing the wrong messages what's happening because it's not getting the messages correct. You see what I'm saying? And because of that, it's causing the drivers to take their eye off the road and fix their eye on this LCD screen to try to fix it. They're not going to be able to look at their screen to fix the message errors and drive safely at the same time. It's physically impossible for your eyes to look at both at the same time. We have one set of eyes. You're either going to choose to look at that screen and fix whatever's going on with it, or you're going to choose to look out the road where you're driving and what you're doing. That's the problem. That's the problem it's causing is infotainment systems are drawing the driver's attention off the roadway and onto those systems so that they can do whatever it is they're wanting to do. Fix message errors from text messages they're trying to send, choose their music option, uh, respond to an email. People are doing all these things on these screens um, that are inside of their vehicles. They are not a safe option. To me, what I encourage people to do is I say, if you have one of these types of infotainment systems in your vehicle, I encourage you to disable some of those features. Disable the Bluetooth. It is not a safe option. There's so much information out there and so many uh, uh, cognitive neuroscientists doing studies on people showing that the Bluetooth distracts your brain so much so that 53% of your driving environment is not visible even though you're looking through your windshield in your rear view mirrors, your side mirrors. Your brain cannot process all this incoming information of your driving environment and that conversation at the same time. This is what I teach people in my presentations. I teach them about the infotainment systems, about the Bluetooth and how uh, it is not a safe option. There's two industries who want you to believe that it is. The first one is the uh, cell phone industry. They want you to buy their products in their phones. Their second, the second industry who wants you to believe it's a safe option is the automobile industry. Now, I cannot say that for all manufacturers. Obviously, there are some manufacturers that see that this is a dangerous option and do not encourage that in their vehicles. They do not build those options into their vehicles. Um, that's something you just, people would just have to look up the manufacturers to find that out. Who who has those features in their uh, their vehicles and who doesn't? But you can also disable them. It's a very easy thing to do. That's what I was going to ask you. I know that some phone manufacturers now have the option on the phone where you can actually, the moment that the phone or that the phone actually tells that you're moving inside of a vehicle, it disables phone calls and being able to do most of the features, but it's something that you have to be able to turn on and off. I know a while back they had a, an application that you could put on the phones to do that. What is your general consensus when it comes to that? So you're, you are exactly correct. Uh, I got a new phone this last, I mean, December and it's a Samsung and it came with that and it's a feature that you can shut off if you choose to but it actually will be selected unless you select to, to, to turn it off and it does tell uh, drivers that I'm driving so if they try to call me automatically or they try to text me and it sends them a message if they try to call me it automatically sends them a message saying that this driver is driving right now and they'll try them back later so uh, obviously, I am a heavy proponent for encouraging that type of uh, choice 
every single time. I mean, if people want an app, they're out there. There are so many great um, applications. A lot of them are free or next to nothing, you know, five or $10 a month. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm researching some cell phone products right now. One, one that I would encourage people to look into is called Cell Control. It's C-E-L and the word control, cell control. It is a product you put in your car. There's a monthly fee and it, it does so much more than just block the calls. Um, it also gives a report of your speed, your your distance, where you're going, um, you're stopping, you're, you know, it, it tracks every single ride. And it's a, it's a great thing for people who have a trucking company or have a lot of drivers. Uh, but there's so many great products out there that I would highly encourage people if that's something that they think they need and they want, go for it. If you want to go the free route, here's such a simple thing to do. Turn your phone off, mute it, put it where you can't be tempted by the chime of a text coming in, the chime of a call coming in. We actually have an endorphin when we hear that that text or that call come in because that means we're needed, we're wanted. And there's nothing wrong with that, but not in the car. I always try to tell people, you know, the best possible thing you can do, put a picture of the people you care about, what you care about in life, put a small picture somewhere in your car. And when you go to turn that key on, you know, have that picture where you, where it's visible and catches your eye because you go, okay, car on, phone off because of these people, because of the life that I live and what I love. That's more important to me. They're more important to me than a phone call or a text that is, that is absolutely unnecessary when you're driving. Um, you know, change your outgoing voicemail. If you call me um, and I don't, I don't answer my phone, you're going to hear how you've reached Shelly. I'm either driving or I'm unavailable. Take advantage of your voicemail. You can always pull off the road, park, and take a call and talk all you like. But when that car's on, that phone needs to be off. Now, do you see that this is is becoming more and more of an ongoing problem? I know that they they're putting, like you said, though, in infotainment systems inside of there. But do you see that more people are still getting a hold of a cell phone and using it behind the wheel, or do you feel that a lot of these people that are pushing having like a designated texter or phone call answerer, if you have a passenger in the car, are really using that, or you don't believe that that's a method that really works? So the, there's two distractions that are happening. The infotainment system is one because well-meaning people, I was no different than anyone else. The day my daughter's crash happened, I share I was on my phone because I used it often. I had a Bluetooth and it caused me to be so distracted. I didn't even realize how I got into my neighborhood that day. I, I came in a long way, a back way. And it didn't even dawn on me until I was already on my street. Uh, point being, um, I was no different than anybody else. I thought it was a safe option because society told me it was. So so Bluetooth is a huge distraction. So yes, people are still using Bluetooth because, you know, society keeps telling us, well, you need to have two hands on the wheel. Of course you do. Uh, that's obvious, right? You're safer if you've got two hands on the wheel. But if your mind is cognitively distracted, that Bluetooth conversation is not going to keep you any safer. If you want to see statistical data on this, the National Safety Council is a great resource, as well as the DOT, like I'd mentioned, AAA Foundation. There's a lot of great resources out there that can share that information. If people want to have a paper that explains why Bluetooth is, a, is an unsafe option, you can go to the National Safety Council website and download a paper that was written, I believe it was written in 2012, and it's called the White Paper, just like it sounds, the White Paper. It's a free download. It's about a 12-page document that has been backed by cognitive neuroscientists and researchers all over the United States. 
so there's many different uh, resource information uh, provided in that document, but that'll explain what happens to our brain when we try to use that Bluetooth and drive at the same time. We are cognitive, cognitively distracted by the conversation and lose over 53% of what we're supposed to be seeing because we do not multitask, we toggle task. Your brain has to choose between the driving and the conversation. It cannot toggle, or it cannot go back, it cannot multitask and do them at the same time. It has to toggle task and choose between the two tasks. That is something that I talk about in length because I think it's very important for people to understand that even though you're looking at the window, your brain cannot process all the incoming information of your driving environment, everything that you need to process to drive safely. Uh, my my thought is that uh, a lot of people still definitely use their phones, and if they are, they're texting. The majority of people are texting anymore. Not too many people are holding the phone up. Um, they'll use the Bluetooth instead, but there's still so much texting, at least. Uh, it's something that I see locally where I live, and when I travel around the United States, I travel to ca Canada quite a bit as well. It's a big problem there. And uh, it's definitely something that I don't think is getting better. I think it's getting worse because there's more technology thrust at us and being put in our phones and being put in our vehicles to tempt us to want to use it. Now, Shelly, do you believe that some of the information that people can actually ask for their Senate or House of Representatives to actually push within their particular state is worthwhile, especially if they're in a state that doesn't have anything related to cell phones? Of course it is. Absolutely. I've I've been down two more times for two separate delegates who, you know, so three separate times I've been down to the state uh, capital in Denver where, where I live just an hour outside of it. Um, three different, you know, uh, three different uh, senators and representatives, state representatives have pushed for laws. And we have to keep pushing for stronger laws. Uh, if people want to make a difference, if they want to see something change in their state, if they don't have a strong cell phone law, and there's an opportunity to testify, the opportunity to give their opinion, an opportunity to share their own story, absolutely they need to go and do it. I'm a huge proponent for that. Um, I will always be, I, we don't have a single state within the United States that's actually got, gotten a full out cell phone ban. That means they can't use their phone in some capacity in their car. They're hands-free, there's, there's uh, no texting, which are good, but still not strong enough. Um, obviously, in my opinion, the, the best possible thing that could happen would be on a national level. And I've been down to the Capitol in Denver with, uh, with other colleagues trying to help convince um, the delegates down there to try to put a national law in place. And it's just not, It's they haven't come around to seeing it as, as that big of a problem. They haven't come around to realizing that it's an epidemic, that it's actually surpassed drunk driving. The number one cause of self of uh, automobile crashes today is cell phone related crashes. One out of every four car crashes today will be because the driver's on their phone in some capacity. And that statistic is based on uh, what the National Safety Council receives from crash data. If drivers lie, that crash data is going to be askew. It's not going to be accurate. We had three car crashes happen in six year span in that half block stretch where my daughter's crash happened. There were two other crashes in that same exact half block stretch of road. Not a dangerous part of the road. It's in a neighborhood going 25 and there's a tiny little bend in the road and a slight hill. Uh, nothing that if you looked at it, you would go, oh, that looks like a dangerous section of road. But yet there were three car crashes all in that same spot Every single one of them was caused by a driver on their phone. Two were texting. One was finishing a phone call, which was our driver that hit my daughter. 
every single one of these drivers, all different ages, different times of day, different scenarios in their crash, um, but all in the same area, every one of them denied the cause of the crash with their phone. So that statistic of one in four is not going to be accurate because unless there's eyewitnesses or the police were able to get a uh, report of their phone conversation, their text uh, report, unless they're able to do that, which I don't believe in the state of Colorado that they can, unless there's eyewitnesses, they're going to go off of what the driver says they uh, were doing. And if the driver says, I blacked out, which is what my driver said, she changed her testimony two days later after the crash happened and said, I blacked out, but she did not black out. There were eyewitnesses everywhere that saw her on her phone, as well as she admitted it at the scene of the crash. But if you have drivers that are lying and the police cannot get the police report, you know, to show, I mean, the cell phone report to show what they were doing on their phone, they have to go off what the driver says they were doing. So that one in four is really more statistically two out of every four car crashes is caused by a driver on their phone. But the National Safety Council can only can only statistically provide whatever they are given by each state's uh, law and what it is and what the crash data shows off of the police reports. So if, if they have inaccurate information, then those statistics are gonna be wrong. Two out of every four car crashes, wouldn't you say that we have a problem with people using their phone in their car? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to go back to something you just said. You said after the lady had apologized to you at the scene of the accident, she turned around and told, said later on that she had blacked out? Correct. Two days later. Even though she told the policeman on site that she was distracted by her phone because she was on it. But it was on her the lawyer. So it was on the police report. Her lawyer. Okay. Yes, it was. So there's no denying her. But the other two car crashes I mentioned, different drivers, different scenarios, different times of day, they were both texting and they both denied it was a text that caused the crash. Wow. Amazing. So only one out of the three had accurate information on it because she admitted it and it was reported, even though later she changed her story. She lied because her lawyer told her to. She was obviously not a smart person. But... um, I mean, why would somebody do that? Uh, thinking that that would that would stick, apparently. But um, yeah, the statistical data is in, is inaccurate. It, the, the reality is, fifty percent of people on the roadway are on, uh, that are that are causing automobile crashes are they're it, they are the cause of them because of their phone or they're hit because of someone who's on their phone. Well, Shelly, I really do appreciate you coming on and sharing your story, and I really appreciate all the information that you gave us. Now, if people are interested in knowing more more about your story or contacting you for a potential keynote speech, what would they need to do? Thank you so much for asking that. I am an independent uh, safety speaker, and my goal, if I'm given the opportunity to come and speak for a safety organization, for uh, for somebody's company, uh, uh, whatever, college, high school, you name it, I speak for so many different types of groups, people who drive, which is everybody, right? If I'm given the opportunity to speak, believe me, I will deliver. I do not hold back. I give 100%, 110% of myself because that's what those people need and that's what they deserve from me. Um, I, I put my whole heart and soul into every single presentation that I give. And uh, my goal is to not tell them a sad story. My goal is to, first of all, educate them about the issue. Like I've shared with, with you today, some statistics and some, some data that is uh, important about learning how we can't do these things and drive at the same time and have these conversations. And text, it's it's so very, very dangerous. Um, I share all of that, and of course I share my story in depth. 
and uh, obviously I elaborate quite a bit more on that. But my goal is to educate people, and by the time I'm done speaking with their group that day, uh, I ask people to sign at the end to sign a pledge. I have a pledge that I uh, send out that's from the National. Uh, National Highway Transportation Safety Administration. Uh, there's many pledges out there, and it's something for them to sign and date and remember that they've made a new commitment to being a cell phone free driver. I want them to change their driver habits and think totally differently the next time they get in their car. You know, it's something I really encourage for uh, safety conferences. I do a whole lot of those of statewide trainings. Um, I do a ton of pupil transportation trainings, which is school bus driver trainings. Uh, but you bet, you know, I speak to a lot of high school kids right before prom, college students. Um, I've even started speaking from middle schools because those kids will be driving in a couple of years. They get it. They understand. Uh, you don't have to be 16 years, 17 years old to, to get it. Uh, they definitely get it at a young age. And there's no, no age too young to sign a pledge saying that when you're going to start driving, you're going to be driving without that phone. But I would love for people to get a hold of me. I believe you've got information that I've sent you. Uh, the best way to reach me is LinkedIn. And if people are not on LinkedIn, um, they are welcome to reach out to me at my email address, which is Shelly4 at msn.com. That's S-H-E-L-L-E-Y-F as in Frank, O-R at msn.com. LinkedIn is is my uh, my best source for communicating with people. I'm on Facebook as well. Facebook is another way you can reach me. And I believe uh, you've got some information that is available to people um, through the podcast and um, your connections there. All that, all my information as well is there. And I would love to connect with people and see what I can do to help raise awareness on behalf of my daughter. This is the reason I do this. It's hard for me. It's challenging. But you know what? It's not about me. I am a vessel to share the message and I'm doing this for Erica because she's not here to be able to do this. This last year was her, uh, her high school graduation year and it just ripped my soul out. It was extremely difficult to have all those milestones come and go. Her 19th birthday was August 25th of this year. You know, these are, these are things that, um, just are very challenging to get through. Um, God is good to me and has helped keep my family together and uh, through my faith, you know, I know I'm supposed to be doing this and I'm still here. There's a reason that I need to give this message and there's, there's a whole lot of people out there that need to hear it. So I'm hoping if people are touched by what I shared today, that they will most definitely reach out to me. And believe me, I will do everything in my power. I never turn down an event. Um, I do charge for my time to travel and speak, but I don't charge much. In the world of speaking, um, I'm a pretty darn inexpensive speaker. Because to me, it's not about the money. It is about the message. So I just encourage people to reach out to me. Uh, you're welcome to call me as well. I believe my, my number should be available and uh, through your the information I provided you. And um, I would love to get in touch with people and see what I could do to, to save lives uh, by, through education and through this presentation. Well, Shelly, I really do appreciate you sharing Erica's story. And what we'll do is we'll actually post it on safetyfm.com under, under the portion of the website that has all of our guests that do come on and we'll list it on there. And I really do appreciate you coming on today here on Safety FM. Gosh, it's been such a pleasure. Um, thank you uh, for allowing me to share my heart with you. And for so many that are listening, um, I really do hope that people realize that, you know, that whole statistic, it's never going to happen to me. Hi, I'm a statistic. And that's what I tell people when I'm standing right in front of them. If you need to see a face, if you need to see how this can change someone's life, it's absolutely changed mine. 
And uh, thankfully, like I said, my family and us, we're still together. I've been with my husband 27 years. I have two other daughters that, that need me, want me. And um, I am, I'm, I'm, I need to continue sharing this message. There's a reason that, that I'm doing this. And uh, it, it needs to be shared as, 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 as often as the opportunities are there, I take them. Um, life's too short. I certainly know that on behalf of my child. So thanks again. Um, I, I really do feel very honored that you asked me to come on today. And I'm excited to see who's going to reach out to me and how we can make a difference and save some lives in Erica's name. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Join the fun on social media and find us on Facebook at Safety FM.